0: Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Okay, a little bit of news from my life. I try to make it a rule not to bet with friends. Not, unfortunately, because I win all the time because money's tight you know what i mean a wee exception this time a little punt part one of Stilian petrov you were drawn in fascinated educated couple of laughs along the way and now you know more about the bulgarian army scrubbing floors and stripping guns down than you ever thought you would right true i win my bet but before we give you part two a couple of pieces of parish news the big interview has been nominated in the podcast of the year category at the Football Supporters Federation Awards. That's brilliant. If you are part of those who put us forward, thank you. But who doesn't want to win? We all do, right? Certainly the guests that we interview love to win. If you want to vote for us, which we'd appreciate, then go to fsf.org.uk forward slash awards, fsf.org.uk forward slash awards and vote for the big interview. Thanks. I've spent the last few months updating Barca, the making of the greatest team in the world, a book that you seem to have enjoyed. It's the first update in four years. This edition, lovingly encapsulated by a Leo Messi image from Wembley in 2011, has a particularly well-written new epilogue with my inside view on the end of Guardiola's golden regime at the club. The transition of Tito Villanova from assistant to jefe and the unfair, tragic death from cancer, of this young, talented, fair and admirable Catalan. Such an impact, such a loss. There's also a new section on the brief but interesting reign of Tata Martino, how close he and his players came to winning big trophies that season and how clear the Argentinian is on where he went wrong and why he went wrong. This damn dark year of 2016, we've lost too many loved and important people, starting with David Bowie but we also lost a great man, my sporting hero, Johan Cruyff. Without him, this golden, modern Barcelona era would not have existed. This book wouldn't need writing, and I wouldn't be in the privileged position of conducting the big interview. Adios, Johannes. Thank you. We all owe you. Please support Backpage, the big interview, and independent sports writing by buying Barca, the making of the greatest team in the world, from grahamhunter.tv. Show someone you love them this Christmas, right? Now, this second part of my interview with Stan Petrov features his brilliant analysis on how it is that Martin O'Neill can repeatedly make his teams perform beyond the sum of their parts. At Villa, Petrov felt both the warm sunlight and was cast into the chilly shade that Martin O'Neill has within his powers. Stan also describes, fascinatingly, his year-long campaign to win back the trust and affection of the Villa fans, plus where that journey took him and the team that he'd go on to captain. Then we get to Stillian's battle with leukaemia. I've already explained that he regrets that having worked so hard to be somebody, as he puts it, his children now see him represented more for his illness and recovery than for his achievements on the football pitch. However... Stylian Petrov also knows that this story can offer support to others and that he's in a position to materially affect the fight against cancer in the UK. I hadn't met Stan Petrov before this interview and genuinely, I found him an inspiration. His description of what he went through and how it gave him a new perspective on life, plus the role that his wife Paulina played, is unforgettable. Stillian has a foundation through which he continues to take the fight to leukemia. And leukemia, you've picked the wrong damn enemy. To learn more and to become involved in supporting Stillian through awareness and action, please go to www.thestillianpetrovfoundation.com. Stillian, Backpage, and I will thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now, on with the good stuff. On something genuinely fascinating because in sport good can be bad and black can be white you take the proof of your words is that the Martin O'Neill technique of how to manage the group then and no I don't know with Leicester and with Aston Villa and with Ireland it works, it, works it does very work. well, the way you described it about maybe being a friend at a distance maybe letting a guy have a couple of days of training but still picking him, just take those words away and apply them to another club where things aren't going well well the manager isn't close to the players all the time he isn't on the training pitch all the time and a guy can miss training for a couple of days and then play you could use these in a negative way do you know what I mean you could say so what is the thing that made that group and as I say the Leicester group the Aston Villa group the Ireland group because he repeats it Not take advantage, to be inspired, to feel a sense of responsibility to that manager when those techniques could also, and with with a certain group, go wrong.
2: I would say in the Martin situation, if you look at about Martin O'Neill, every success has come when he built his own team. I think he knew how to build a team, how to build a successful team. Because it was Leicester, then it was Celtic, then it was um, Villa... And now with, with Ireland, because with Ireland, don't get me wrong, I've said this so many times, I don't think he has a very, very good turn for Ireland. It, I will say, he has a determined players to achieve something. I, I think that's what Ireland have. And he managed to take the best out of these players. But what I say, is he does as much? I do not think so. Man management, big part of it. And look at what, what they've done. They went to the European Championship. Mm-hmm. They've passed the groups. Mm -hmm. So far, they're doing well. Previous manager we're talking about, we don't have talent, we don't have enough. This man haven't said that. This man went and he just got the best out of these players. He picked them, he trusts them, they trust him, they play for him. I always think, you know, people now, we're talking about, you're talking about Mourinho. Sometimes, you know, being the best tactician in the world don't help if you don't have your team playing for you. No question. You can do your tactical work week in and week out, day in and day out. But if you don't have the place to go and manage to put your body on the line, make that extra yards run for you on a Saturday, you don't have a chance as a manager. Whoever you
1: are, Mourinho, Guardiola... I thought that was going to be the second name. I was beginning to hear
2: how you've anybody. been watching Manchester City recently. People talk about, about tactical work how tactically they will play. You know, people talking about a perfect example, Leicester City. Hmm. Would they doing that much of uh, tactical work? Well, I've got sources that they're not. But you know what? He managed to turn this team, uh, players with few classy players, to be their main players for the season. And they managed to, to, to perform week in, week out and play for him. They play as a unit. When you have that, that's are stronger than anything. That's stronger than any tactical approach from any other manager.
1: Completely agree, and I guess you're lucky in your life because you've said they, they won't be similar, they won't be identical, guys. But you've said similar things about Peneff, as you've said about Martin. So to have that at least twice in your life is a blessing.
2: With Pennev, it's funny people people toy tactically. You, you will never do everything with Pennev. Will be five aside, eleven aside, shooting little boxes. You know, you sometimes pick 12 players and not on the sheet before the game or we need to go and tell him there's 12, you need to drop one out. Yep. You know, and he won't bother about it? because you know that this team is prepared. Even if you pick 15 and you need to take four out, the, the 11 he are going to pick, they're <laughs> going to play. But that's the way it is. That's how powerful these people are. Some people, they live and they build up on the training, you know, tactical, set pieces. If you look them at the matter you, know, people talking about, you know, People work on the set pieces. They're, no. I always believe that if you don't have a place to willing to mark the opposition, willing to go and head the ball in your own box, in the opposition box, then you don't have a chance. Mm. You don't have a chance. You can work on that every single day, five hours a day. As soon as that ball comes in, if you're not willing to go and head out or in, you don't have a chance. So you, you must have found that Celtic, the leaving of Celtic,
1: you judged well because you, you won trophies, you grew and you knew that you were bumping your head on the ceiling because it, it's Scotland. You needed a bigger test. It's a, it's, I like people who take their destiny in their own hands. And you did. And you're signing for a man that man that you believe in.
2: Well, I wasn't signing it uh, for him at the time. I was on the way down to Portsmouth, to Harry Redknapp. Oh, well, you
1: know, there's another man with similar abilities.
2: You know, it's um, it's funny. He's um, obviously had my time in um, Scotland. Don't forget that when Martineau left, a lot of players left. The team that we had some special moments and the European nights, the winning Leagues Cups. And then he left. Then everybody started leaving. Then Gordon Strachan came. There's a lot of players coming in, there's a lot of players coming out. And that time I end up with five uh, league uh, cups, you know another six or seven cups, and I've reached a maximum I found out that it's become too easy for me in Scotland I've scored a lot of goals it was difficult for me to you know for them to handle me and I felt I've reached my pick I sat my, my wife I remember one day say I think it's time for us to move uh, I'd like to go and test myself um, in England where it's the best you know quick powerful I want to go and test And She said, well, are you you're happy here? I said, I am happy. But as a man who always demands for himself, always who wants to compete, I want to go and prove myself somewhere else. I think I can offer more. So at that time, I remember it was Gordon and Strachan. So I had a little genuine conversation with him. And at the time, I was playing really well for him. He views me as a striker. I was playing really well. I was scoring goals. He was raving about me. You know, that I could play for any team in the Premier League, you know, top four and that. Uh, and, you know, when you see a manager who's been a player that he was and a manager down in England, when he says some things, you start even wanting him more. You know, obviously, yeah, you've seen it. If he was down there. I've already made that decision. Before I spoke to him, he's already saying these things. I want to go now. It's it's even more in your. But then I had a, a man who... I respect so much He said to me Well I just don't want to let you go
0: Hmm.
2: He said Well I want to go He said Well I know And I don't want to stop you But I need you here That was his words And I said Well I'm going to put a transfer request He said Well You can put anything you want I'm just telling you that I won't let you go So That was going on for a few months I put one transfer request Then He said to me You know what Stan I know where you're coming from But I'd like you to stay for another six months. And I understand that you wanna go and I don't blame you. I, I think you deserve to go there, but I want you another six months here. I was surprised the way he handled stuff. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, he say at the moment you've got another year to go, you've been loyal to the club. I want you to be more loyal. I say, okay, what what is your I said, I want six months of you. I think I'm building something special here. You boys are playing well you're nakamuraling very well. Ruski's there, he's you he start picking up. I need experienced guy here. I need somebody to to get these boys together. He said, I'm offering you a contract and um, I'm just telling you why I'm doing that. First of all, as a player, I want you here. Secondly, I think we're offering you a better contract because I think you work more. I said, okay, I understand. And I said, the third thing is, because you've been so loyal, I would like the club to get some money for you as well. I don't want you to leave. And I said, well, you know what? Because you're honest with me, I'm fine with that. I'll take another six And he said to me, This six months, you'll love it because I'll let you express yourself. You're going to have another six months, you know, to work on the stuff. Do you want to be ready for the premiership? And, you know, because he was so honest and, you know, he sat, he looked at me in the eyes and I went, you know what? Yeah, I've always been honest. He's honest with me. I'm fine with that. You know what? In six months, I said to him, Gaffer, it's time for me to go. Uh, and anyway, he went, that's fine, Stephen. We had agreement. You go, Celtic uh, demanding this money. You have an agent, Celtic deal with it. If you find somebody to pay the money, you can go. Fabulous. That was our words. It was, yeah. Honesty and respect and a promise fulfilled. Yes. And um, at that time, I think Portsmouth, Harry was at Portsmouth and I think they've put a bit uh, for me. And I remember at that time, it's funny that at work. I think it was rumours that Harry Redknapp wants to take me from Celtic I was on the way down to, to negotiate with them and at the time my took uh, Aston Villa but Gareth Barry was going to go to Portsmouth as well so Harry wanted to put us to play together wow that was a, f- a very yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting thing but I remember I was in um, at Manchester airport obviously it was two days to go before the end of the, the transfer Market. window Portsmouth already put a bid for me and I was on the way down to talk to, to Portsmouth and and um, I didn't know what was happening the night before because at half six in the morning, I had a story on my room, half six in the morning. Still, uh, it's our hands. I think Aston Villa come in with a bigger bid. A fair play to Harry Redknapp, I, I spoke to him. Obviously, we spoke to him and he said, Stylian, I admire you so much. I'd love you to come here. I'd love you to play for me. But obviously, um, you will go to Villa. And I said, well, that's not the case, really. Uh, at the moment, I still don't know what's happening. But he said, just to let you know, Villa put a bigger bid. We don't have that much money. So I won't be able to match this. So I just want to wish you all the best and I hope everything will go well for you. That was a conversation with Harry and then everything moved to Villa. Happened very quickly. I've signed for Villa. Obviously, when I've signed for Villa, Martin O'Neill said to me, you know, I'm going to build a strong team here. The team is very vulnerable. We'll try to win couple games. We'll try to survive. We'll try to make sure that we've got a, a little base to build up. I had an incredible debut against West Ham. Everybody was talking about me. I was boxed to box. I was causing problems. They couldn't handle me. And everybody were wow, what a signing. And then things start to get slower for me, you know? <laughs> Obviously, players were going out. Players was coming in, you know, younger... He didn't have a bigger score, so I ended up playing on the right. You know, playing as a winger, you need to be quick. You know, I was clever, my position, I can pick well well that, but playing against, you know, a uh, full backs like Ashley Cole, you know, it's very difficult. Flyer. Yeah. I remember playing against Chelsea and he was running up and down. I couldn't get him. He just, something in the, in the Cuban body that you can't match with yeah. because he was so athletic, he was so quick, and it was very difficult for me. And I had a, I Had a one game bad and the next one, you know, playing on the right, and I couldn't get going. I couldn't get going, and then because I was the first signing, I think the fans were a little bit on the back of me. Who's playing behind you, Alan? Hutton at this stage or not? Uh, no, not yet no, yet. no, 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 no. Hutton. We we had differently. I had uh, off Melbourne at one point. There was Liam Ridgewell You know, we, we had the people in and out, in and out, because it was the, the squad so was no partnership, no no, partnership. Rhythm, no understanding. And, and I can understand, you know, Liam Ridger, I remember coming in and you you know, he, he used to play with the quicker players then and you you demand balls for me that I couldn't go, you know, yeah. that check and go behind, you yeah. know, you never outrun Ashley, Ashley Cole. So most of me I'll foot I'll play quick, I'll get in. But sometimes you need the um out players to be out there and I was struggling and I was getting worse and worse and worse for some reason because I couldn't get my phone back you know playing through the middle is completely different you know being on the ball all the time yeah. getting into space playing wide is completely different you need to be more more you know responsible you need to look after your teammate in the back so I struggled and then I went from one bad game to another one and then my new made a couple of signs you got Nigel Rio-Cocker the Stevie Sidwell Garrett got moved from left back to in the middle they start playing well you know they start playing well the team like hey. And the fans were on my back and he took me out. He took me out for four months. But that gave me time to work harder, to assess and to wait for my chance. I was still a good mate. I was still going and push the players in training. I was still demand from them because that's what you're there to do. There's no point of being you know, moody, uh, no point of being you know, just no one to do it. You're there for a purpose. And I knew that in football, a lot of people forget that in football, everything changed quickly. Hmm. And you know that you have your chance as long as you're ready.
1: But football, I think, okay, so take your situation there. What the fans and the media and some managers will teach you that is, Bill Shankly used to do this. If you're playing, you're everything. You're talented, you're important. You're, if you're not playing, you're nobody. People lose their self worth because they define themselves not by, like, not like you, but your mind, your attitude, your skills, your work ethic your responsibility to the club, responsibility to your family. A lot of people in sport, particularly football, define themselves by, if I'm in the team, I'm important. If I'm out of the team, I'm diminished. And you thought the opposite of that. It didn't
2: get to you. It, it damage your sense of self-worth at all. No, and that's where we go back from where you started, the failure. Yeah. You're scared to fail. I wasn't scared to fail. I was actually more satisfied and more happy to prove people wrong because that's when you show how good you are really. And I managed to do that because I remember four months' time, I wasn't involved, I was, I was in and out. And I always knew that in football, the football is becoming so intense, people get injured, people get out of the form, and you're always going to have that chance. And you know what? The sooner I got that chance, i never look back. Because I knew then you appreciate more what you're losing. You know that every time you drop again, you'll be out of the team. And I didn't want to be out of the team.
1: Where did the highlights come for you in the, in the beating an Ajax coach by Van Basten? Big game, big performance. Aston Villa look at Aston Villa in Europe and winning the run to the final against Manchester United. The Crazy game against Blackburn again, ten goal thriller. Where do the personal highlights come, and when do the fans get off your back and start to view you as a key guy, a guy that they trust?
2: I think the fans, listen, the fans always demand. They all only only see it that way. You're either doing it for them or not doing it for them. So when it comes to the moment that you're doing it, they're there. They're as soon as you turn the other way, you're not doing it, they forget about you. So for you to go back from not doing it to doing it will take a long time. But it will take a long time only for people that don't want to do it. And I wanted to do it. And it took me a year to get them back on my side. How I done that? I start playing that when I come back in the team, Martin, you said to me, I'm going to play in a different position here. I'm putting you back in the middle. But now, with Gareth and Nigel. So I said, you're going to be the holding one. So I want for you to control the ball for me. I want you to make sure every time we attack and we break down, you organize them. You're going to be the man there. I don't want you to be up there. I want you to be out there. So he took away from me. No freedom. No freedom. But I was happy for that because at that time I was doing that in a national team. So I had the ability and he was comfortable with that. He knew I was smart. He knew I would do it. He won't, I won't go you know, on the run that I'll leave uh, the defenders exposed and my uh, teammates will be, will be done on a counter-attack or you know, we'll have enough space there. So I started playing really well there. That season I finished quite strong. In the next season, I've picked up, I had a great preseason. Obviously, I was strong and I won player of the year. The sooner I won that player of the year, I knew that I got them back. Hmm. I've got the fans back, but it took me a year to do it. A year of hard work, a year of silence, a year of closing myself down and making sure my, my work will be perfect in any level. Training, football, appearances for a club everything will be perfect for me to come to the good books again. Because if you don't do that, it would have been a very, very long road for me.
1: It's, I'm speaking to a man who lives here now and played for them, but my, my memory of when I've been at Villa Park is that it's a fantastic stadium. It used to be, I don't think it is, has been for a long time, a brilliant atmosphere. You felt in the heart of English football, an ex-European champion. When things are going well at Villa... It's one of my favourite clubs in England, and you had glimpses of that when things were going good, when you're high in the league. You, no team had it easy coming to Villa Park when things are good for you.
2: No, uh, I think everybody was frightened to come to Villa Park. Yeah. Everybody knew what they would get. First of all, the atmosphere, the fans, the demanding from fans, especially the team and the manager. And football, you always say. When we go before the game and you look at the team, we look at, Danny Murphy says something we've done a talk show uh, long ago and he shared the same thinking as I do and he said to me, you know what, every time we, we look at the opposition, we look at the team sheet and I go, wow, I hate playing against this mm. guy." And that's what you have. And he said, I remember every time you, you were there, Stan, you, you were on my face. So I said, yeah, I needed to because we knew where the danger would come. So Martin we were saying to you, the free midfielder was gone man for man. Don't let you him pick, pass. You, don't, pick, let you him. don't let him lift his head. You get on his head. Let the ball go uh, longer instead of going to his feet because you pick the right pass. You start them on the right way. That's what we had. And that team we had, at the back, we had a, a strong... We had Martin Lalsing, uh, Olaf Melbeck. Then we had me, Gareth Barry. Then it was Ashley Young, Stewie Downing. Then was James Milner later. John Carew and Gabriel Bonho. Was, he was terrifying defenders. He was so quick. He was so powerful. John Carew as well. We, on his day, he could have been the best.
1: I don't know why he sometimes went like this. But he could play also. I remember him at Valencia doing... Horrible things to Arsenal in the Champions League for Sweden, and he was a complicated character. He changed his name. I want to be remembered as Alioune or John Carew, but also his physical training. I remember talking to him about his his summertime physical training. Like he never stopped. He, but he could play as well. Of eh?
2: course, he could have played. He, he, he technically, for a man with that height, he was he was incredible. Technical mm. power, strength, mm. everything. John Carew is another one Which we say in football A difficult man to manage Every hmm. single one who came after Struggled to do it True, 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 true Simplicity that was, that was, I would say Martin, he was so simple That he let the players know That if you win the game for me If you work for me You will have the freedom But as soon you don't do that I'm in charge of it Okay Everybody loved it Now, we would go We went four months unbeaten I mean, four months, and it was literally, well, everybody's buzzing after the game, and you'll pick a man, you'll pick Gabby Ogbona, and you'll say, Gabby, we've played Saturday, you've picked in the days of today, and Gabby will go, until Wednesday, you say, "You will turn a fitness coach, obviously they already know it, you say, (laughs) Jim, are you happy with it? And he'll go, yeah, fine, perfect. And boys will go, one will go in New York, one will go in Dubai, one will go, people will just have their own time, Sunday come Wednesday, everybody's ready. Sharp, strong, that's, ready for Saturday. Saturday comes, you turn to somebody else, and, you know, we'll have a bat. That's how everything, everything, the momentum, and he kept that momentum going for a few years.
1: That's genuinely wonderful. It that's great. What he's doing there it requires such finesse, because if you get that wrong... If you trust one bad guy, okay, you can punish him, take him out of the team.
2: You can't, you, you can't really explain I I had somebody yeah. who, who I was speaking about, Martin, the way it worked, and he was like, wow, oh, I want to create it. What about more tactical, more this, more that? So, well, I'll tell you one thing people do what they do best. And if it works for him, there's no point changing it. Yeah. You have a different head. The, the guy who said it, he's been a manager for a couple of years now, he's been sacked twice. So literally, I didn't tell him, but I said, well, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you should actually take what you can the best from how he does it instead of the way you're doing, because obviously you've failed so far. Yeah. And obviously you're not doing something right, what you're saying. But everybody's different. And strong-minded manager, people talking about Alex Ferguson. Alex Ferguson, nobody repeat what he've done. And I'll tell you what, who goes to Man United will always be compared with him or probably will always fail because he had something there he had something and nobody can take away from that, that You,
1: you use the phrase because nothing, neither of us are naive enough to say that Martin waved a magic wand with his treatment of men You used the phrase about building a squad and building a team and I'm quite sure that just like before he came into the dressing room to Gabby that day and knowing already what the answer would be if you come back a week or a month or two as they're building, as they're signing, as they're selling, they're going, yeah, I want this ability that this guy I'm signing, but I want his character too. You're an obvious thing. He knows what football skill, what aerobic, what, what experience, but he knows your character. And also, I guess, as the weeks and months are gone, he's taking a character out and going like, I like his football, but he's not for the group, so you take it out. And if you make the group as you want it to be in character terms, then you can begin to give this stick and carrot and trust and take a couple of days, go on holiday. You're definitely playing Saturday. You had a bad 15 minutes there, but I'm going to trust you again for sure. That, that level of finesse and trust, in man management, comes from picking the group right in the first place. Fergie, I guess Jockstein, Martin O'Neill.
2: I think he knew his players. You know, I'll, I'll give you a, a, little, a little example. One of the games I remember we were drawing one, one each of the Villa pack and we were overrunning in, in the midfield and it was about... 15 minutes to go. So I've run to the line and I've said, Gaff, I think we need to change it. I think we're a little bit overrun in the middle. He was playing 4-4-2. Four, four if you make us a little bit stronger there, I think we can hurt them in, in the break. And he goes, OK, I'm happy with that stance. So the next thing, he take one strike, I'll put midfielders. We won 3-1. It was good. He didn't say a word. Mm-hmm. He didn't say a word. Oh, listen, that, that's a manager. Mm-hmm. He take that. He's a strong character. There's one game we were losing 1-0. I went to have a drink and he said, Stan, what do you think? Now he, he's trying at I went, you're already losing the game, we're not playing well. So I was like, oh, I think we should change that. We end up losing 3-0. We walk in, the first thing he says, oh, we've got Stan now trying to tell us how to play football. Try to pick who's going to play and not. He just nailed me right there. You know what he said? <laughs> if you're not sure, don't say it. You know, he didn't say anything when I suggest that for, to make that change that we want. But when I got it wrong, he nailed it. So you know what you're saying? I'm your boss. I make all the decisions, not you. And for that for a certain time, which in that moment, because of the game and that, i would never say Fire sure, but because he caught me right there, he was trying to, everything all the time to make sure that you're ready to play for him. And he wants to know that you're the boss there. And he's the boss there.
0: Ready to pop the question? Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: The two things there that stand out about you two as men isn't one, even though it went right, the time when you suggest something and it works, most many managers would feel challenged by a player suggesting something. They'd feel undermined, whether the advice was good. They could be hearing in their head, shit, he's right, fuck. But they would say no just to yeah. show who's the boss, which is stupid, which he didn't. Secondly, when he says 3-0 stands in charge of tactics now and look and he nails you which you're smiling about as you tell the story a lot of players would have taken that as a grave insult and would have lost faith in the manager and maybe maybe there would have been a punch up or well if you're going to take the piss out me I don't want to play for you but you didn't you take it as a okay I see what's going on here you're a listener and a learner
2: Yeah, I've always, I always been like I've always listened I've always learned and I think um, everybody's different we work with different, with different people and you need to know how to approach people because different, some people are more sensitive somebody are more, more challenging somebody more stronger somebody more weaker mentally so you need to know how to approach them when i became a captain i knew everybody in the team i knew how i can push i knew how i can insult i knew who i can push harder than anybody else and I'll have a reaction mm. and I knew who needs that around him and be more gentle and be, make sure that he's happy with what we do but some people need to be pushed some people like to be pushed all the time like to be on the back Ashley Young I knew that Ashley Young would come and training. he'll be he'll be poor he won't move he'll train with his coat and his gloves and his hat but I know that when Saturday comes You'll Be there, people say, Oh, Stan is a captain, he's you know, he's he don't trend, you know, he don't move, and that. And I'm just going, Boys, you know what? Saturday, you'll be completely different. Sunday, when we come for recovery, the boys are saying, I said, It was unbelievable. I said, Boys, you need to know the players and people you're surrounded with. You're the Marcello Lippi of uh,
1: Bulgaria, <laughs> because <laughs> I, when, don't go that far when Tommy Burns. <laughs> Asked me to take him out to events, was a club mm. I had good links with, and so I took him out. We spent three four days studying training, meeting Lippy, talking to Ventroni, the fitness trainer. We were sitting there, and one it was early January, and you know, what, Turin can be like gray and cold and freezing. We're sitting watching training. Paulo Sosa is in 16 anoraks, three or four hats, a scarf training, like you described them actually yeah. so they're walking around the training pitch at the common alley, and he's not happy at all. and so, we, at lunch, where Lippi is doing the benefit for Tommy about planning out, showing how, in March he 's going to play against Ram in the Champions League quarter-final. And he goes, yeah, yeah. doesn 't try in training, never scores a goal, looks like he 's you know a hobo, and um every weekend runs the game ready, brilliant, bright, engaged, so I just leave him alone the <laughs> same as you, yeah. same judgment. I throw the thing about vagaire and Martello Lippi because. That's difficult to read. It's really easy to look at face things and say, like, what's training for? Working really hard. Therefore, if you're not working really hard, you're in the wrong. If you're in the wrong, you don't play. This one plus one plus one equals six is an easy thing to do in group situations and get things wrong.
2: Yeah, because um, in today's football, we're talking about ties, but you've got a lot of fitness coaches, a lot of data, a lot of, you know, everything and everybody want to be the perfect. Everybody the to bring something new to say, I've done it, I've discovered it. But they forget that the main thing is Saturday. Saturday counts. That's where you judged. That's where you judge. It doesn't matter what way you're doing it. If you don't produce on Saturday, if you don't achieve the requirements that fans and the chairmen and the club itself require from you, you'll be nobody. Your methods... Won't work. You might say, "What won't be followed? That nobody will even pay attention for it." But if you don't get results, you know people talk about. Here's another one: Harry Redknapp. People talking about, you know, same as Mario, you know, he and that. But he have a success everywhere he go. He everywhere. makes something happen. You know, you know the way Harry is always something. It's always something. Team playing well, hard to beat. They will bring some young players that will, will produce something. They'll be sold at some point. So you have that. And he don't run away from that. He's not ashamed to not say, well, I don't do a tactically. Well, I don't need to if I know how to do the other side. If I get the result on Saturday, my methods are working. He's and I'm fe- happy with that.
1: He's a fellow guest on this series, and what stood out is he knows horse flesh, he knows talented footballers, he buys talented footballers. Once they're in, he manages them in similar ways to what you've described. Your point of view as captain was, Martin's technique as well, make the group, trust the talent, and by and large over the piece because it's about the Saturdays that will be good for you by and large you'll win do you you think you've learned that from a coaching badges course or a book I now know not to ask you about your coaching badges (laughs) thanks for that warning this is all off the record listeners I want to reach a point now because you're gonna you know you have a life it's hard to believe given how immersed Neil and I feel in your world right now this has been a truly extraordinary experience because I'm gonna go out of here and I'm gonna I'm going to live differently. I'm going to live by the Petrov rules. I might even have a chance at Premier League football now.
2: Um, I've got a
1: chance. <laughs> but I, I watched a documentary after you um, had beaten leukaemia. I was really moved by, by two things that I, that I saw there, that if it's OK to ask you about... Of course. ...and stop me if it's not. I don't not. have anything to... There's two things. One is second importance, that around football in Britain, starting with the Villa fans... I didn't feel there was just a feeling about there's a good guy who's fighting a potentially fatal battle, a good guy who's been hit by an illness that's unfair, we support him. There seemed to be, to me, a really extraordinary outpouring of love and affection for a Bulgarian man who'd moved to Scotland and England, and it's my impression that that must have felt helpful in finding strength to go through the, the dreadful ordeal that you did, but secondly, when I watched this documentary and both you and your wife, Paulina, you we, we were talking on it, she came through as an extraordinary woman and somebody who, it felt to me, listening to the two of you talk, had been fundamental in saving your life.
2: Yeah, you know, we, we had a probably over an hour talking with something um, something that I've grown up to be, learned to be, were hard to be. But then I've entered a different life. Being diagnosed with leukemia type of cancer. Mine was acute lymphoblastic leukemia. That's uh, leukemia in the blood. So literally no immune system at all. Cancer is in the blood. Uh, I was given the news. And at that time, at that time, like I say, I wasn't nervous. I was scared. I was scared. I was fragile. I was confused. And i tell you why. Because first of all, I didn't have that much knowledge with what I need to go through, what I've been diagnosed with, what I need to deal with, how much that will change my life altogether. Now, for being, being a footballer, I worked really hard to, to be a footballer, to be somebody, to look at, back to my career and tell my kids what I've done, what I've achieved, who I've played with, what stadium I've been in, what I've done altogether all as a footballer. Then that was moved away from everything my kids now see the dead dad was fighting with cancer nothing about football mm. every headline that you see now you know internet these days could be dangerous as well mm. you google my name is about my leukemia battle my face is when I was looking different when I was on a steroids chemotherapy. that's changed my life completely uh, you know We say, I always say, and I don't run away. I've never hide. I've never, you know, being a footballer, it's it's a great honor. Being a footballer, you've got a chance to live your life differently, you know, having more luxury cars, luxury life, you know, all this from moving to that, to fighting for your life. It was the same experience. It changed my life completely. I've managed to recycle again everything I've done and I've managed to see what is to lose your life. Mm-hmm. I knew what I'm going to lose. I knew the the valuable of life. I managed to learn that in a hard way. And sometimes we're talking about finding your perfect half. I managed to do that. You know, it's funny, like, you always question the honesty, the ability to be loved from somebody beside you. And a moment like that, just showing you how big the love is, how strong, how powerful the love is. And I've managed to have a great wife beside me because being a father, being a husband, you've got a lot of responsibilities. But when you're fragile and you fight for your life, it's not just your fight, it's everybody's fight around you. And my wife forgot about her life, my kid's life. And she specifically concentrated on my life, saving me, saving me. And when we talk about it, she say, I can't imagine my life without you. And for this, I needed to fight. She needed to fight through a lot. You know, as a mother, she gave up on her kids. My kids was for, for two years, they were, they were raised from our moms and dads will be three months, my mom and dad will be three months, Paulina's family as well. They'll be looking after the kids. Kids won't be able to see us because I wasn't allowed. My immune system was low. I was in intensive chemotherapies. I was in the hospital. You know what, what was the strangest things? You know, we, we don't appreciate little things in life. I remember being in a hospital for seven weeks without coming out of the room. I wasn't allowed, I wasn't allowed any visitors, I wasn't allowed to get out, I wasn't allowed to go on the corridor because I, my immune system was wiped out, I was zero, and I couldn't afford to pick any viruses, bacterias, because I didn't have anything to fight it, so I was seven weeks, my wish was to get out downstairs on the fresh air for a minute, I was begging doctors, nurses, professors, everybody who was there for a minute outside and I wasn't allowed. That was my only wish. As a man who went through so much, your wish in life... is Smell a, the fresh air to experience fresh air.
1: the world, the noise.
2: That was it. Mm. And I couldn't get it. Then you realize what you're going to miss, what you're going to lose, how, how precious life is. Now when... My boy said to me, it's raining outside, it's cold. Dad, you want to play football? Yeah, of course I want to <laughs> play football. I'll build the trampoline we were, last night, 10 o'clock in the evening. My little boy said, Dad, we're we, we going to go and jump on the trampoline. I was in my pyjama. Of course I'm going to go. We went and jumped for an hour. I'm back up this morning, but you know what? <laughs> I, come, <laughs> I, I woke up with a smile and something that I appreciate because I know what is to lose it. I've been lucky to still have it. And the support of the fans, what what you touched about it, they've become part of my life. They've become a great support and they've become something that I'll never forget. Something they've given me a lot of strength. You know, the 90th minute um, applause. People still, you know, talk about that 90th minute, the game game at Celtic. The letters, the millions of letters I had from people around the world. Even people that don't support football being part of that fight is just incredible.
1: You've seen some extraordinary parts of the human spirit. What you have yourself, Paulina, and people around the world. In in a world where day by day it's easy to despair about the stupidity and the greed and Brexit and Trump and you worry about the future of the world for your children. And you're able to say, Listen people, you know, there's there's extraordinary good and power and kindness and generosity immediately around you?
2: Life is a very interesting thing. I've seen a lot of people that lost their lives. I've come across, I've sat with people. I've become very friendly with people when I was having treatment and a lot of them lost their lives. Mm. I sat across with two young boys who was told that they've got a week to live. Now, you can imagine me and you talking about stuff. We're talking about the past. We're talking about, you know, for the future, what, we could, what we're looking for. We're having a, a general discussion about how are you going to speak with somebody who wants to speak to you and tell you that they've told him he's dying and there's nothing they can do for him. You. So you're sitting across the room, you're speaking to him, and it was about 20 minutes silence because I couldn't find a word. You just can't find a word. What would you say? And this is the moment that you really appreciate, you know. And this is the moment that you cherish, you know, that you know the value, the value of life. You know, this is something that I need to deal and still dealing with it. People having last wishes to speak to me, you know, because when you go through something like that, people going through it and being the end of their life and there's nothing that it can do, they can talk to you about stuff that other people don't understand.
1: Because they, understand, they believe you know what was happening inside their head yes. and their heart. Yes. Mm.
2: And the support I had, you know, people battle this horrible disease on their own. And I've managed to battle it with the support of millions. which I always say I'm a, I'm a very, very lucky man.
1: What can we do now in this moment to, to offer support or hope? You have a foundation? I have a
2: foundation, yes. Um, We we
1: must talk about it so that people who listen to this, many, many people who listen to this will be touched by somebody or them themselves
2: fighting against cancer or horrible illness like it. What can we share that might help them? Share the awareness. The awareness and the the funds that people try to raise. First of all, finding a cure. I always said... Having a treatment. At the moment, the foundation supports the researchers, support for families and nurses. We concentrate on this. A lot of people try to find funds for the treatment for their kids. We are looking after a lot of young kids. You'll be surprised how much. It's not just for them. For young kids, not a young kid should go through something like that. I think every kid growing up, they need to be somebody. They need to experience life. They need to become somebody in life. And somebody to have that is very difficult, especially for the parents. What we try to help the parents with is try to pay for their accommodation, being closer to their to their kid when they're going through something, uh, treatment, the horrible treatments. To be able to do, to able to do something, something like Polina did for you. Yes, because I know how important that is. We look after a lot of families that all over the world. They need support. You know, some of them can't afford to be closer, closer to their to their kids. And we, we provide this. We provide it because we know how important. It is. We know how important is that support from your closest people with, in life. We made a difference so far. We make a difference, but the main thing is finding cure. People I see every year saying getting closer, getting closer, getting closer, the success rate for survival is rising dramatically, which is really good, really good. Obviously, with everybody who tried to raise money, is helping, but we need more. And I'm determined to be part of it. I work very hard. We um, arrange a lot of events. I'm, at the moment, I'm in the process of arranging three big events for next year to raise more money. We've been approached from a lot of people which are asking for money for treatments because it's very difficult these days A lot of the countries don't provide, a lot of people need to go in different countries for treatments and they need to get funds. So these free events will raise funds and every single family who needs money will be entitled to a a pot, which we have in there and they can count on this money to help to progress for their treatment.
1: Well, the big interview will um, donate on our website and when the interview comes out, we'll give people the details of your foundation. When the events you're planning are coming to fruition, we'll try to help publicise them. Because you surviving is important beyond the the love and the happiness of those close to you, your family and you, there's a really clear message about how you attack this when it happens to you in your life. There's a really clear message that you, you can beat it. And the idea that the gap is narrowing between where we are now and finding a cure or preventing it, is a very uplifting thought and coming from somebody who knows it to be the truth, I think it's something that our audience will join in and support and we'll all give thanks for the fact that you made it through. You made it to an amateur cup final, which I, I think you scored in. Yeah,
2: I scored in. Uh, it's it's a uh, win again. Yeah, nah, There's a man. lot of winning in your life, isn't there? Yes, is, uh, but I always, like I said, I've been competitive. I, I, I like to win. I'm not a bad loser, you know. I, I accept losing, uh, which is is part of life. But I prefer to win more than lose, and um, I've managed to do that. And I managed to win the biggest battle so far, which that is that makes me even more happier. That gives me more chance to 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 be something, to help, to give back. To be a, a, a parent again, to be a husband still, mm. and still play football even in an in, in amateur uh, level. I've tried to become a, a professional again, but I wasn't given the chance for some reason. Uh, it hurt me a lot, you know, because I, I was getting closer. But that's probably another an, another chat with you.
1: Then it, I, I think it is. Tell me one thing, because I see a line between Brian Clough and Martin O'Neill. You experience, you learn. You apply, you succeed. And judging from today, you're the next in line. One day will you manage groups of footballers? I know that the badges aren't important, but you have everything.
2: I'm actually doing my badges now. Okay, um, Yeah, I'm doing my badges. It is on the map, uh, I won't lie to you, but I've been somebody who, when I'm ready, I'll step in. I've been asked a couple of times to go and be part of Villa, but... I know i'm not ready yet and i want to be ready uh first of all i want to build up a, a team that i'm going to work with mm-hmm. i think that's very important mm-hmm. i don't agree with working with somebody i don't don't respect to anybody else but i think when you work and you believe that you can do something special and you want to be somebody you need to have a, a team that know what was what, what like you say what you, what you want to apply what you demand if they can do that if when you build up team Then you've got the trust and you know where everybody stands and you know what everybody demands every day in and out from the team from a staff uh, point of view as well so I'm not ready with that I'm still speaking with people that I believe they're going to be part of my team Mm. when I'm ready I'll step in Uh, I'm not ready yet and you know what people talking about why people you know a lot of money involved with that that's not the point I want when I do something, I want to do it right. And it's not about the money. I think that's uh, irrelevant in these chances. If you do your job right, everything else will follow.
1: Well, i finished finish by saying I hope that the Bulgarian army isn't listening because they could put you in charge of everything and uh, shooting or not shooting. When that club hires you, when you engage in that project and you think you're ready, you know, we'll be there watching it because that club will be very lucky. And this interview has far excelled, even our hopes and aspirations. It's been a real privilege. It's been a joy. Um, football is the better for men like you. Really fantastic. Thank, thank, you, thank you, you very much, much indeed. It was in great to see you as well. A, a genuine honour.
0: Thank you,
2: everyone. Magic, yeah.
1: man. Thank you. Thank you. The Big Interview is produced by Backpage and me, Graham Hunter. The music you always hear, the music that you love, is Beer Jacket who's always been there for us. Big hug to you, baby. You can keep up with everything that we do, within reason. You can enter exclusive competitions and put your questions to our future big interview guests by getting on the mailing list at grahamhunter.tv. How many times do I have to tell you? Yes, several thousand of you have done it, but come on, slackers, at the back, sign up. That grahamhunter.tv site is also where you can buy the new updated version of my book, Barca, the making of the greatest team in the world. It's my account of the Guardiola era at the camp now, from 2008 until 2012, plus Tito, Tata and Adios, Johan Cruyff. It is in all good bookshops now, but it does also make a big difference to all of us who've worked on the project. If you choose to buy direct, particularly for Christmas, at grahamhunter.tv forward slash books. You'll be sure to get the new edition and you will be helping us to continue producing independent content. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being there. Without you, this would be fun, but a lot less fun. See you soon.
0: Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat